What a great exercise in worship. Uh, if that stretched you, then I would, I would say just keep leaning into that, into that stretch. Because as we continue to study and we walk with Christ and we, we understand his word, then in those moments, the, the word will, will come to us or a song will come to us that remind us of a truth. When uh, Jimmy began, I was like, okay, Lord, I, I know where I'm probably going to go. I've got some go-to passages within my soul. Do you have some go-to passages or go-to songs that, that speak? And um, it, 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 it went in a different direction. I, uh, what came to my spirit uh, in, in just the things that we've been praying about as a, as a congregation, our ministry, our, our new leader, uh, the, the, just the, the discomfort that happens in community as far as those that get sick and, you know, been praying for Shay and just several of first service ladies have been having surgeries and so forth. And so you just, you know, in that mindset, you know, and, and what quickened in my spirit was, and, and I tried, I did my best in my, in my head to kind of create a song. I'm not going to sing it to you, but I was creating a song with the rhythm that the band had given us. And, but it was may the peace that surpasses our human understanding, right, as this brain of ours will just reel in times, that may the peace that surpasses all of that guide, guard, and direct the hearts and minds of, of people who are in transition or in, in sickness. And so I, I, just, I just love that. We've been praying, we're praying a lot. We've been looking at the uh, kingdom life. Kingdom life. James did a fantastic job the last two weeks setting the stage and, and then getting us into the Beatitudes last week. And if you did not hear that teaching, I would say, please, by all means, get on the app, get on the, uh, the internet, the, the podcast, whatever. You know, we've got that and you can listen to it. And man, open that Bible up. Get your notebook out, and I mean pour yourself into the text. James did a great job of exposing it in the expository style, and, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. And I would say that it, it's a great, great segue into the remainder. We're going to be doing Matthew for a while, and so we're going to get a chance to absorb it. Today we're looking at four passages, and uh, we... Uh, have our Savior bringing up something pretty, pretty normal. He brings up salt. You think of salt, we're like, oh yeah, it's not a big deal, but salt has been a huge deal. It's been a huge deal in our world. You know, the Chinese have kept history, and they keep records, and, and they've done it. And all the way back to 5000 BC, there's there's recollection of, of the importance of salt in society, salt in, in, in the, the way that, that life was to be preserved and so forth. We certainly understand the saltiness of Chinese food, right? I mean, we, we get that. Um, and then we, we, we see that no matter what was going on in China, then there's some history over in the Balkans that you, you get this, this ancient history of, of how salt just was and has continued to be just important to the world. You've got uh, the, uh, the Chinese who also, uh, I, I'm blaming it on a couple of, uh, of Chinese 
you know, ancient Chinese middle schoolers who figured out that, uh, you know, that salt, uh, saltpeter and, uh, and, and, and some charcoal created gunpowder. And we have a picture of a couple of the, there they are, uh, a couple of the middle schoolers from back then. Um, and so we, we see that, 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 that the power and the gunpowder and, and what gunpowder means to us now as far as all the implements of war and, and just all of those things. So then we, we see that even today that, that salt continues. The Egyptians, uh, they used salt and par, as a part of their mummification process. Now that's a preservative, right? We know that salt preserves, and any of you that have heard a sermon on salt and light, you know, you get preserves and you get flavor, right? And, and, and we see that, that it was important in that day. Also just to, to preserve the fish. When, when I've been to Nepal, I've been to the other countries, we don't, we don't go down our streets unless it's maybe Talon Market or a marketplace that you actually see the meat drying or the fish drying or the fish preserved in salt, the meat preserved in salt. But that was, that was major. And it was so major that it was, it, it, salt created roads, salt created cities, salt created ports of call because of the production and the, and the socioeconomic understanding of what salt meant. We even see that the ancients got a little superstitious about salt, that salt may have had a power of its own. And even in da Vinci's uh, painting of the Last Supper in the Middle Ages, it was so superstitious that you see that it was such bad luck for Judas to betray Jesus that you see a small spilling of, uh, of salt. Then you, 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 you think about, uh, once it's, you know it's so important, then of course we have to have salt wars. We have to protect salt. We have to, we have to own salt. We've got to hoard salt. We've got to keep salt from someone else. We've got to keep, and so we see that then taxation comes. And in more contemporary history, Gandhi and his salt march, where the Brits were, were taxing and, and they were trying to control the production of salt. And in a way of civil disobedience, Gandhi produces salt in the way that the Brits did not want. And so he ends up going on a 240-mile, 24-day march about salt. We come to the time of Jesus, and the, the kind of artwork that you'll see there is, it kind of tells the, the typical picture. You see the, the preserved meat hanging and then you see this, this essence of cuisine. You see the essence of salt bringing flavor. And so Jesus now opens the, the, the hearts and minds of the people listening, the disciples. We know that the Sermon on the Plain, the Sermon on the Mount, it was, it was the disciples that were listening and hearing, and that was his main audience. But then the crowd could also listen. And it reminded me of, of today's church services. Many of us decided to be, right, we, we've, we've been owned by him and we would call ourselves a disciple. And so we, we, we sit at the rabbi's feet through our study and through, through our community and, and we learn and absorb. And, and then some of us are still on the edges, we're still on the fringes, we still hear things and we go about our questioning and our conversation. And that's the same thing that would happen in that time. He, he, would, he would teach and, and then they didn't have the 
microphone system. And so they would automatically be telling the person behind. What, what did he say? Blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And they would begin to let the wake and the wave of what the master was teaching. And it began, began to change hearts and minds. And so you see the crowds were following him. Jesus now gets us to the place where he says, listen, happy are you, blessed are you. This is a condition. And that which was once seen in the kingdom of the worlds as decay, the king comes on the scene, as James has, has so uh, you know, elaborated in a great way. The king is kinging, right? The king comes and says, listen, I don't know what you've heard, but now I'm saying to you that the king has arrived, and in his kingdom, happy are you when you've humbled yourself and when you know that you're poor in spirit because you always have your eyes on God. And he goes through this litany of understanding of who we are and how discipleship and how our relationship with the God of the universe is now changed by the king. It's a mentality. It's an ownership. It's a call to righteousness. It's a call to emulate the king, to be like the king, to let the king's words and the king's thoughts and the king's definitions now serve you and may you serve it. And he gets to salt. Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 13. You're the salt of the earth, but the salt loses it. if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. And Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Jesus is giving us the kingdom reality and now he's giving us the kingdom reality of who we are, how he sees us. You'll notice that he he. He does not give us a choice. If we call ourselves a disciple and we're learning and we've embraced him, right? We are salt. There's no compromise. You, it's not something that you even have to beat yourself up over. It's nothing that you can, you know, it is a position in him. You are salt. You are light. We hear that and we, we, we know and, and we've heard messages and we know that there are the, the natural voices that come with this passage. There may be the voice that says, listen, you, you, are, you are salt. Don't minimize who you are in God's kingdom. You're, you're, you're salt. Stop worrying about how you're doing. Just be. Let the master change you, right? The voice of the Savior is, listen, understand your condition. It's changed. I know you haven't fully been transformed in your mind yet. You're still wrangling over it, but you are salt. Then there's the voice that says, you're salt. You are salt. This is the one I think we're kind of used to. The voice that says, listen, you're salt. Why are you letting yourself be diminished? Now, the master knew salt. As a matter of fact, he sort of created it. Okay, maybe not sort of. So Jesus, you, you don't look at this passage 
completely scientific, right? You don't look at it as in the pureness of salt. Does salt lose its saltiness? I googled it. Salt really doesn't lose its saltiness, uh, but it can be combined with other things that minimize its effect. Oh my goodness. Do we need to hear the voice? I'll give it 60 seconds, maybe 90. Listen, you are salt. Everything you do, everything that you watch, everything you read, everything you do is affecting who you are. When you are out in your saltiness, if you decide to, to, to diminish it or it's overwhelmed by outside influence, then you're not being the kingdom righteous person that, that I'm calling you to be. And so that voice resonates with us because sometimes we feel like, man, you read the scripture, you got to get that sting. But then I think there's a third voice that, that the master gives us in seasons of our life where he says, listen, you're salt. You are exactly who you're supposed to be. You are fighting and battling righteousness. I know that, but you are salt. I need you to stop thinking about what it is that you've got to do next and worry about being next. You don't have a choice. You are salt. Everywhere you are, if you are blood-bought, redeemed, spirit-filled, you are salt. People look at you as salt. Now, it's kind of a mystery. It's kind of the, you know... It's kind of the, the invisible world, but you are salt. You are light. You cannot help be light. Now, you can obviously hide it. You can obviously allow all the outside forces to diminish it. I don't want that for you. I want you to be who you are, how I'm filling you, where I'm taking you as the rabbi teaches, and where you are, your salt, your light. As a matter of fact, I believe in the supernatural part of this so much that those of us that are filled with his spirit, we cannot even help but influence. You're, you're an influence. Sometimes people know, right? We, they know we're a kingdom child. We know, they know, they're kind of the, an overarching understanding that you're a king's kid. You have called yourself Christian. But yet there's also that which happens in the spirit realm that you are influencing with your very presence. So we do need that voice of conviction to stay in righteousness. But there is also the understanding where he does, want, does not want us to belabor the fact that we have influence. You see, a soldier, a soldier would sometimes get paid with a handful of salt. It, matter of fact, we get the word salary from a derivative of the word salt. But in the time of Christ, and salt was so important, it was so necessary, that an ounce of salt equaled an ounce of gold. Could you imagine? It was vital. It was important. You would get your 
salary in salt. As a matter of fact, in the time of Jesus, the Greek and Roman culture, you could buy a slave exchanged with salt. As a matter of fact, you may have heard a phrase like, is he worth his weight in salt? That came from slavery. That came from the purchase. Is this slave worth their weight in the salt that I'm exchanging for it? So Jesus now is using this as a way to let every common folk know. We're going to learn, and James is going to break it out, and Chris and Petey, we're going to be breaking it out. You're going to hear how the king comes onto the scene, and he's going to teach us what is supposed to be taught, and he's going to be questioned and eventually arrested and put on a tree based on the fact that he challenges the thought process of the day. Not the teaching of the Father, but the interpretation of the teaching of the Father that was leading people astray. It was losing its potency. It was losing its true flavor. It was losing its true opportunity to preserve from decay. Anybody in here had a tooth that you waited a little too, too much on? And you experienced the pain of decay? You see, that's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, listen, you common folk, you common guys that now I have called to be under my tutelage, under my rabbinical study, and then all that come beyond you, 2,000 years later, sitting in a church in Albuquerque, if you call me king and I have saved you, which we get from another derivative of the word salt, we get that understanding that Jesus came to preserve, protect, and diminish decay. The gospel comes and it says there is decay, there is sin, there is rotting. There is stuff that we want to glamorize. There are things that we want to just kind of put away in some level of humanistic denial, but none of it is none of it is good and you must move yourself in righteousness away from that and preserve the world think about it there were wars there were roads there were cities there were protests all about salt and now the savior comes and tells a bunch of common folk like you and me that you're one of the most powerful currencies in the king's kingdom. You're good as money. You are. What is it? What is it? What do you think your worth is? What are you worth? What is your kingdom currency? What is your kingdom influence? You see, I'll ask that question. I'll let you think about it. What is your kingdom currency? I'm going to suggest you don't need much more time. 
Because where you are, who you are, and how he's changed you and influenced you is your currency. If you question yourself, the king's going to go, listen. Listen, you're salt. Not, you're not going to become salt. One day, when you go to all those Bible studies and you've done everything great and you've gone to a small group and you've done this and you've done that, you'll become salt. You'll be good one day. You'll be actually worth something in the kingdom. As a matter of fact, you might actually learn, you might earn the light bulb to put in your lamp and you'll be light. No. What the king says to us is that there's a high call of righteousness. And the high call of righteousness comes at a cost. It comes at a cost of me submitting to the Father's will to change all humankind through my death. And then my resurrection is going to make sure that you know that that deal is sealed, that sin and death is conquered, decay is conquered. Then I've got this great approach. I can wrap it all up, but what I desire to do is now go back down those roads, through those cities, have the same kind of wars, let people know that there is a good news to the bad news of decay through common people who are salt and who are light. What is your currency? Your currency is going to be different than mine. Your influence is going to be different than mine. Even in middle school, even in high school, even in college, even us big little kids, right? What is the currency? We can always look at how we can advance it. But I think the church today, no matter what flavor it is, no matter what street, no matter what country, the church is in these levels of decay itself because kingdom people are not understanding that they have been called to be kingdom light, to be kingdom salt. You already are. So then, do you hem-haw around the rest of your life as a wandering generality, I think Zig Ziglar used to say? Or do you understand who you are enough to just be? What do I look at on media? What are the messages that I send? What are the texts? What are the secret things, right? What are the righteousness that are too deep that my parents can't necessarily find on that snap thing? I'll act like an old guy, that snap thing. How long as an adult do I hold on to forgiveness or the lack thereof and, and just keep, keep, keep myself just reeling in the fact that yeah, one day I should forgive, but you know, it's so much easier to just talk about it. Those are just two examples. But you see, you are salt. You don't understand yourself very well. You may even think you're kind of goofy. I don't know. I was in middle school once. And I've been an adult who's held righteous, righteousness to my own control. And because I done that decay has set in and Jesus says listen your salt your light allow it to resonate in your soul you me 
We. You, me, and we. We are salt. We are light. I was thinking uh, as I was working on this message and just looking at the others and PD sent out a sort of the, the final email for the, the job description for the, for the new lead pastor. And, you know, you go through the, the you know, it's a, it's a kind of a typical approach to, to understanding what kind of guy you want, right? What kind of leader you want. And I could not help but think, what happens when the guy comes, right? Oh, you know, we vet him and we look in his doctrine and we see if he's got the right kind of skill sets for the season of the church that we're in and what we need and what's going to take us to the next level. And I, then I thought about us, the we. What's that guy going to want to know from us? Oh, we got lots of questions for him. But what would the guy have for us? Well, I think this journey through Matthew is going to teach us a whole lot because I think any guy worth his weight in salt, because I hope he's a slave to Christ, right, would be asking, what's your currency? Who are you? Oh, they're going to ask, and I want you, I'm, I'm sowing the seed right now. When the guy says, what do you do in the church, you're going to think of this level. Let me speak for him. He doesn't, yeah, okay, great, you volunteer. But he wants to know what you believe that your currency is in God's kingdom, in the son's kingdom, the king's kingdom. Because he will know that that is what's really going to drive you. And so if we don't really know, it's time to explore. If we're just allowing decay through sin to continue to meddle in our business, then we know that voice. But then there's the voice over here that says, listen, Father God, you speak to me where I'm at. Thank you for letting me be me, even though I am poor in spirit. And man, I'm more my own sinfulness. And man, I'm always hungering and thirsting. You know this, Lord. And I don't feel at all perfect. I don't even feel like I'm adequate. But for whatever, you didn't say I got to work for it. I am it. And so I just pray that I'm salt and that I'm light. And that you would continue to convict me in the areas that I allow myself to either cover the light or diminish the flavor. Have your way with me, O King. I'm only worth the salt that you have said I am. And I got to tell you, if you said that I'm salt... The creator of the universe. Help me settle in that. Help me to be in that. I want you to help me close out the message. I've waited 13 years for this moment, so just be ready. I want to lead us in a song. If you don't know the song, I'd be surprised if not just 
move your lips and say, watermelon, watermelon, watermelon. Ready? Fingers up. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine.